Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You know, a baby that is conceived, well, that baby is never a baby. You can kill the baby. It's not alive. Just kill him right as he come out. Remember all that stuff we talked about? That's how they believe. Sorry. At conception, that baby is alive. It's a person. But they never go by this. They go by what they think. See, I don't have the privilege to stand here today and say to you, here's what I think. I have the privilege to say, here's what God thinks. That's why you're here. It isn't about us. It's about God's word. These days, it seems everyone has an opinion about everything, whether they have actual knowledge about the subject or not. In fact, those with little or no facts about an issue many times are the loudest in stating their opinion. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the need for the Christ follower to have true information about the things of life. You'll be talking about where you can find either the information or the principles that can help you form a correct opinion. You'll find out how to gather this info and also how to make it useful for yourself and share it with others. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As he begins his message, God's Word is at work in those who believe. This is how unbelievers live. This is how they live. They live by their thinking. They live by their wisdom. That is not how God designed life. It isn't like this. You know where I got this? Many years ago, I was at a missions conference. And they handed this out. And I went, I'll use that someday. (laughs) But they handed it out for a different reason. You know, there's more than 2 billion people that don't have the Word of God. They don't have a Bible in their own language. But you know what? That's sad. In our world, Europe and America, millions and millions of Bibles. But you know, there's actually many Christians. This is the way they do the Bible. Because the only time they ever get the Bible is in church. They never follow it, really. They don't do it. And so Paul's going to talk today in a very positive way about the Scripture, what it is, what is the Bible, what is the Word of God, what are we supposed to do with it. And as we go through this, I think it will encourage you a lot. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Remember, Paul said he loved the believers in Thessalonica. These are all baby Christians. Remember the history? In that town, there was lots of false teachers, and they would teach things that weren't biblical at all. It was just weird stuff. You name it, they had it. And they did it so that they could get money from the people. 
They were taking and taking. Then they'd move on to another town. And remember, we're over in Europe. We would call it Europe today. And they'd just move on to another town, take more money, take more money, money, money. Look what Paul says here. Surely you remember, brothers, talking to the church, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. You see, what Paul is saying is, well, Silas and Paul, they worked hard. Paul made tents. We don't know really Silas helped them or did whatever. But they did that day and night. They'd work in the morning. Maybe they'd work in the afternoon. They'd preach at night. They might preach late in the afternoon. So they were doing that so they wouldn't be a burden to these baby Christians. And nobody could come in and say, oh, that Paul, that's, uh, they're here for your money. No, no, no. They never took an offering. They were there to show them. So they absolutely couldn't question Paul's motives. His motives were straight up. Look at verse 10. You are our witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Now, Paul was not saying he and his team were perfect, but he said, you know us because we've been here. He speaks pretty candidly right to them. And he says, basically, the character traits that we have, oh, we're not perfect, but we're not after your money. You know us. We're kind of an open book to you. And we're trying to be a role model of what Jesus was like so that you could pattern your life after us. Remember what Paul said? Follow me as I follow Christ. He would never say, follow me. The perfect role model is Jesus. Now look at verse 11. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So you can see the love right there from Paul. He looked down at the congregation. I'm looking out at all of our congregations right now. Paul says, I love you. I treat you as my kids because he planted the church. That's what I did here. But we have lots of pastors. We have lots of elders. And Paul is just giving them a look as what a spiritual father looked like. Now, remember in verse 7 when we were there, he compared himself to a nursing mother, which is kind of different. What he meant there was mothers are nurturing people. They're gentle with their children. And they put their life in front of their child. No, not at all. The child comes first. Child's cry in the middle of the night. Where are they going? Right over there, feed that baby, take care of that baby. And so Paul now, he moves away from that. He's not a taker, he's a giver. That's what a pastor is supposed to be. And then Paul identifies himself as a spiritual father. Spiritual. Now look at these next three words. Look at verse 12. I'm your father, and he says this, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives we'll come to this later, worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Paul uses three words, and he describes his relationship as I would with the church. Paul says as a pastor, these are my words, encouraging, comforting, and urging. But really, this has two applications. The first one is simple to see. Paul says, spiritual leaders, elders, pastors, they are to encourage, comfort, and urge God's children, that would be you, for one goal, godly living. 
That's one of my goals. That's given to me by God. Now, you'll see later in the Word of God, sometimes we have to do correction. We have to do all these things. But that's from the Word of God. But it's not just for pastors and teachers. He's talking to his spiritual children. You that have children or grandchildren. Notice, fathers, moms, grandmas, grandpas are to encourage, comfort, urge their own children or grandchildren toward what? Godly living. It's the very same thing. Now, when you see those three words, they're pretty plain, but let me tell you what it is in the original language. Encouraging. It's not a one-time thing to make a person feel better. Paul is actually saying it's an ongoing encouragement. You have a child who's five years old, and you're a dad or your mom, and you just say, man, you're doing great, really good, and the kid gets 18. Man, I'm really proud of you. Oh, that was 13 years ago you told me you were proud of me. What happened to the last 13 years? If you're going to encourage somebody, from time to time, they need it, right? So it's an ongoing relationship, cheering them up because of all the crazy things happening. Look at this. Now, comforting, comforting. That is a person that comes alongside. Now, when that person comes alongside, basically it's because they need to be comforted. They need to be there to be cheered up because life is a difficult. Didn't anybody here know that life hurts? It's difficult. And so we need to be comforting people in the church, in our homes, cheering them up because of all the challenges in life. And the third one is very simple, urging. You can use a different word called challenging to do the right thing regardless of what kind of conflicts or confusion there is. Now, let me ask you a question. Anybody here ever need to be encouraged, comforted, or challenged? Anybody? Okay, good. We have about half the people that are sinners. (laughs) Let me say it again. Anybody here ever need to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged? Praise God, you got saved right in the middle of the service. That's a blessing. Am I right? Of course. We all need this. You don't just need it in church. You need it from one another. You need it in our homes. Those are common words. And Paul looked at the church, the people, as his family. I look at you. Our pastors look at you as our spiritual family. And that's one of our roles. Now, I have this same verse, but I have it in the New Living Translation. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. What does this mean? Paul says his goal as a pastor which is a role model for me and all of our pastors, was for these believers to walk worthy, represent Christ properly, walk worthy of the calling that comes from God. Now, in a moment, I'm going to explain to you, Paul is actually going to do it. He's going to tell us what walking worthy looks like. What does it mean? And also, what is this calling of God for us? So look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul liked this word, worthy. 
as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul was in jail when he wrote the book of Ephesians, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, look at me, I'll explain this. When Paul would write his letters, his books, like we're reading epistles, normally, not always, but normally the first part of the book would be on doctrine. Here's what you believe. Here's what you believe. This is, what you, this is the, the standard. This is what you stand at. Here's what you believe. And then the last part of his book, it was definitely true in Ephesians, he would tell you how to live with those beliefs, how to actually practice those beliefs. You can never really separate biblical truth from our behavior. So here's a principle. You want to write it down. Belief matters. Belief means to accept as true or real. Belief matters. Remember, way long ago, kids would come home, I got this new math, Dad. We never could understand the crazy math. What do we say? Four plus four is how much? Come on, tell me. Oh, that's the old math. Come on. Four plus four is how much? Yeah, it's silly. Why? Because it's truth. It never changes. But see, what we see there, what you accept is you. People say all kinds of things. Let me share this with you. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters to us is what God thinks. See, the world, the unbelievers, you know what they do? Here's what I think. No, this is the way you're supposed to think. Well, I don't care about that. This is what I think. That's why we have the most bizarre, horrible things happening in our world. You know, a baby that is conceived. Well, that baby is never a baby. You can kill the baby. It's not alive. Just kill him right as they come out. Remember all that stuff we talked about? That's how they believe. Sorry. At conception, that baby is alive. It's a person. But they never go by this. They go by what they think. See, I don't have the privilege to stand here today and say to you, here's what I think. I have the privilege to say, here's what God thinks. That's why you're here. It isn't about us. It's about God's word. Now, correct living is rooted in correct belief. See, all of that stuff we're seeing with this transgender thing and all that kind of stuff, when you see all of that, that's what they think. So if I think wrong, I'm going to what? Live wrong. That's exactly the way it is. But if I think right, I'll live right. If my doctrine's right, our doctrine, our beliefs come from the Word of God. Now, here's what the word worthy means. It means equal weight. One's beliefs and behavior should be in one thing. What is it? Balance. It should be in balance. So everybody, take your hands out like this. Okay? Good. Now, is this balance? Is this balance? Okay. So here's my beliefs. How does my balance look? What's it look like? Does it look like this all the time? No, it looks like this. Do you got it? Now, I want you to take one of them, how you behave, and put it down here, and turn to your neighbor and say this. What in the world's wrong with you? Come on. (laughs) 
Did you get it? Now, when I have this, here's my beliefs and here's my behavior. What do you call that? It's a hypocrite. And what does the world call it? I don't want any part of you. You guys are just like us. See, it's huge. It's got to balance. Now, it's never going to be perfect. Always going to be a little off. You know how we are, all of us. But it can't be like this because there's no stability. What we believe is what we become. We want to behave from the word. James says it like this. Know the word. Just do the word. Just do the word. So what Paul's talking about there, he says, he encourages the believers at Ephesus. Behave like the Bible teaches. Now, if you never open the Bible, you won't know how to behave. And your beliefs are going to be all wrong because they're your beliefs. Now, our calling is directly related to being in Christ. In other words, we represent Christ. When you repented and you believed in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, that calling focused on one thing. I am, you are a representative of Christ on the earth. You see, look at 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now, we're not talking about get your sandals on, you got to walk like Jesus did. Walk means lifestyle. So notice, whoever claims to live in him, to have a relationship with God, what are we talking about? Exactly what Paul just said. Your belief must match your behavior. It needs to be in balance. You must have a lifestyle just as Jesus did. Why? Because we represent Christ on the world, in the world, in our place of work. See, the world, by and large, doesn't read the Bible, but they read us. They're looking at us, because at some point you shared with them, I'm a Christian, boom, 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 all of those things. Now, it's not a one-time event. Look at this next statement. Walking lifestyle Worthy is a lifelong spiritual progress of maturity and growth. Jesus made sure people understood this. He would be very, very challenging to them. He encouraged them, but he challenged them that their beliefs and behavior had to match. Listen to this warning from Jesus. Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I say. Boom, boom. He says that word Lord means master. It means God in complete authority over our lives. We belong to him. And that means we do whatever he says. See, Jesus was not interested in lip service. He had enough of that with the Jewish religious people. They looked really good, but he said basically just paint it over. There's nothing real there at all. And remember, Paul tried to say, I'm not perfect, but I'm a person of integrity. What you see is who I am. So the only thing that can help us is real faith produces obedience. Ignoring God's command, as I already said to you, 
produces a hypocrite. You don't want that, and I don't want that. Now, one day, Peter and John went to the temple after Pentecost, and they healed a man, and all kinds of stuff happened from there. They got in jail. You know the story. And they ended up meeting the Jewish religious leaders. And these leaders didn't believe in Jesus at all. Look at this, Acts 4.13. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Now, unschooled, ordinary men doesn't mean they were illiterate. It just simply means they had no rabbinical training in the religious training, nothing formal at all. But they said this, notice, they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were, these Jewish leaders were astonished, and they took note that, say it with me, these men had been with Jesus. Did they represent Jesus properly? Exactly. They go, you guys have no education. Where'd you come up with this kind of stuff? Where'd you come up with this real truth? You got to be kidding me. Well, where did they learn the truth of the word of God? Well, better than you and I will ever be. They spent three years with Jesus. You think they only spent the Sundays and Sabbaths with Jesus? No, it was day by day. As they walked through, these ordinary disciples, they walked with Jesus. Here's the key. The Jewish religious leaders knew about Jesus, but the disciples knew him personally, and they had a relationship. See, many people today believe in God, they believe in Jesus, but there's no relationship. They know about him. But these disciples knew they were absolutely walking with Jesus and his truth, the word, put a mark on them like a spiritual tattoo. Boom. So when these Jewish people saw him, well, that reminds me of that guy we don't like, Jesus. I'd like somebody to say that about me. That guy looks like Jesus. Well, what they mean is the lifestyle. We're all working toward there. Nobody's there, of course, and never will be. Now, What did that mean? They knew who these guys were before. They were fishermen. Here's what I want you to write. Jesus didn't come just to save us, but to change us. See, a lot of people just get saved. Come down on an altar, pray a prayer, watch an evangelist pray. I pray that sinner's prayer. Off they go. There's no change. If there's no change, there's no real salvation. You see, you can't be an event person. I got my fire insurance, Pastor Mark says, right here. Mark Balmer will not go to hell. Praise God. (laughs) Just show to Peter when you get to the heaven. And there ain't no such thing. There is not. The gecko doesn't have it either. Relax. See, it's where? It's right here. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. So there has to be honesty. And that's what Paul's saying. You have to walk worthy of him. It was very evident whose disciples these people were. They were disciples of Jesus Christ. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark introduced the phrase, walk worthy. You got to hear what that phrase means and a little of what it can mean for your life as a Christ follower. You were reminded of the importance of not just belief, but correct belief. You learned that it matters what you believe because if you have beliefs based on the correct things, you'll live in a more correct manner. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, God's Word is at work in those who believe. He'll keep unpacking the meaning of the phrase, walk worthy. Using the writings of the Apostle Paul, Pastor Mark will show you what living a life committed to being obedient to God looks like. You'll be warned about the pitfalls that can come your way and how to avoid them. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Live Here Now, but Live There Forever. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.